the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, top secret documents and sensitive compartmented information, nuclear secrets. And yes, Donald Trump is being criminally investigated for violations of the Espionage Act. What have we learned and what will happen next? Fifth, 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 440 times Donald Trump pleads the Fifth Amendment at his deposition in New York in connection with New York Attorney General Tish James' civil investigation into the Trump Organization's fraudulent valuation schemes and Trump's appraisers at Cushman and Wakefield in that same investigation turn over 35,000 documents to Tish James related to the Trump Organization after they were held in contempt of court, just like Donald Trump. And let's not forget, there is a criminal prosecution taking place right now in the Manhattan DA's office in New York into the Trump Organization and Alan Weisselberg, who are criminal defendants. That's set for trial October 24th, and Alan Weisselberg's motion to dismiss to try to get rid of these criminal charges was denied this past week. And then we turn to Pennsylvania, where radical extremist Republican Scott Perry was served with a search warrant for his cell phone in connection with January 6th and his schemes to overthrow our democracy leading up to that by the DOJ and the fake Republican Pennsylvania electors were subpoenaed by the DOJ. The most consequential legal news. This is Legal AF. Ben Mycel is joined by Michael Popak back from his summer vacation. And Michael, I'm wearing this workout towel right now for those listening, for those watching, you see it because while I'm sweating with all this legal news taking place, it's a little bit of a workout just reading that introduction. How you doing, Michael Popak? I'm doing great. And when you see Michael Popak back behind the microphone with Ben Mysalis and I'm wearing a check shirt, you know, what? ask me what that check shirt means. What is that check shirt, Michael Popak? Checkmate? Summer's checkmate, summer over for Donald Trump. First time 230 years, a president is the subject of a criminal prosecution for violation of the law. We could finally say it. You and I and others have said, give Merrick Garland time. And it may not be the prosecution that people want at the moment, but it is a prosecution criminally. And we'll talk about, and if successful on one of the three statutes, it's an automatic bar to future office. We'll talk about that next. Look, we've never been Merrick Garland apologists because there's nothing to apologize for. We've always explained to our viewers that this is the way our justice system works. And to date, there's been over 800 criminal charges alone in connection with the insurrection, uh, with over 400 convictions and 400 more who are going to be convicted, who are moving through the queue. And at the same time, we've always talked about that grand jury relating to January 6th that's been impaneled, that is clearly investigating Donald Trump's conduct in relation to January 6th. But as we focused Popak on the January 6th committee, when when we focused on Trump's criminality related to the election, sometimes we need to take a step back and also realize what was fundamentally some of the reasons that Donald Trump was not going to leave the White House unless he was literally dragged from the White House. And number one, it is the fact that he is a ridiculous narcissist dictator wannabe. 
That is one of the reasons that he that's mentally how he's programmed. But also he engaged in so many criminal conducts while he was the president of the United States. He engaged in so many bad acts, selling our country away bit by bit to foreign actors, so severely compromising our national security interests that he knew that the chickens were going to come home to roost when he was kicked out of office and didn't have those presidential protections. And that is what this search warrant is also all about because of Trump's bizarre, dangerous, red flag, high red alert relationships with our enemies shunning our allies, secret backroom meetings with Putin and Saudi Arabia and people like that when Donald Trump was president of the United States. But this search warrant was executed earlier this week on Monday. We got news. We got news that it was a few dozen FBI um, agents showed up very respectfully, handed Trump's lawyer uh, a search warrant. The search warrant was uh, was issued the previous Friday by a federal magistrate judge out of the Southern District. Um, These federal agents who arrived at Mar-a-Lago in Florida knew very specifically where to search. Attachment A of the warrant had the very specific locations. They knew where the boxes were going to be. They searched it. We'll talk about why they knew that. We now have a copy (laughs) of the return. So when people think about what a warrant is, there's three documents that constitute the warrant. There's the affidavit. There's the warrant and the warrant will list where what's being searched and the crimes being investigated. And we know the crimes being investigated now. And then there is a return all handed to Trump's lawyers. Trump was able to watch actually the search through the surveillance cameras while he was in New York. And that, according to his lawyer, they lied from the outset about everything being planted and that defund the FBI. And they they did fake pictures of the federal magistrate judge next to Ghislaine Maxwell that they that they blasted on Fox News. They doxed FBI officers, really heinous conduct. But it went from that they planted that the FBI planted these records to Trump. This is Trump's newest BS, which doesn't even matter when we'll talk about that. Why? What these crimes are that he declassify Obama, Clinton, (laughs) but that he claims that he declassified (laughs) all of the records, that he had a standing order. And the standing order was that once you left the White House with documents, it automatically became declassified. So it went from the FBI planted documents to they planted documents that Trump declassified. It literally (laughs) makes no sense because there is no bottom. And the Republican right wing extremist echo chamber, it was dizzying to try to come up with what lie they were saying, who they were attacking. It's really absurd. But Joe Lockhart, the press secretary for Bill Clinton, really said it best, which he goes, if you think the Republicans are going to be embarrassed for what occurred over the last 48 hours, you've missed the whole plot line over the past few years. There is no bottom to these radical extremists. We are legal AF. They are lawless criminal cartel masquerading AF. as a political party <laughs> af michael popak bring us through yeah. some of the uh behind the scenes of what uh, was going on in the search warrant then let's talk about the crimes being investigated as as you know as you and i going back and forth i've been chomping at the bit 
talk about this. I've been traveling. I haven't been able to get on the microphone with you guys, but let, let's go. We've known from the, almost the very beginning because the National Archive disclosed months ago that Trump took 15 boxes. We'll talk about the categories and the classifications of the things that were on the search warrant receipt so that we now know in detail what was taken. But we always knew there were 15 boxes sitting at Mar-a-Lago that were not properly cataloged. Presidential Records Act is pretty beautiful in its simplicity. Every document that is either generated or read or deposited with the president or anybody related to the president is automatically not the personal possession of that person, but a presidential record. And on the way out, you leave behind everything and you take nothing. You don't ask for permission. Oh, is this classified? Is this not classified? I like to keep this memo as a memento because we're going to talk about why under one of the statutes, particularly or two of the statutes, whether the document is classified or not is irrelevant. It's not relevant. And he hasn't been really charged with the statute like David, General David Petraeus, who was charged with a confidential document retention or disclosure violation. Sam Berger, the former national security advisor for Clinton, the same statute. That statute's not in play. The three statutes that are in play have nothing to do with whether it's classified or declassified. We'll get into the nitty gritty of that. But so that's what's supposed to happen. And that's what Obama did. Every scrap of paper in the Obama administration was left behind, cataloged properly and stored by the in the appropriate place by the National Archive, including just to burst another bubble for those that troll us. 30 million pages of documents that the National Archive reviewed carefully and then sent to the the National Records uh, facility in Chicago for it to eventually be delivered into the Obama Library, Presidential Library, which, as most people should know, if they haven't visited presidential libraries, are not just places where mannequins move around like they're the president and they show you like, oh, this was the suit that this person wore on this day or this was the penny used to sign a treaty. It's also scholars use the presidential library because it's a repository of declassified, properly cataloged material. That's what's with Obama or what, what went with, not even with Obama, for his, for his presidential library. This is a horse of a different color. This is Trump on the way out, took 15 boxes with him, including documents we now know compromise the, comprise the highest level of top secret uh, classification that, that there is, the, the top level. There's 11 classes of documents on the receipt for the executed search warrant. Four of them are top secret or above, and there is an above, which we'll talk about. Three of them, three of those categories were just secret. And things in those boxes included dossiers and information related to Macron, the French prime minister, about Roger Stone. And here's the issue. It's not just taking it out of the White House. That's bad enough. But where did he store it? He had it in a relatively unsecured basement or other areas of a of a resort in Florida, a resort that in 2019 alone had a Chinese national spy wander their way through you know, Mar-a-Lago, taking photos and getting into places they shouldn't have gotten into. So all our Chinese spies, Russian spies, or other people that want to hurt us have to have to know is, and I'm sure they did know because it was in the press, that there were 15 boxes of potentially top secret documents sitting in a basement. That's all they needed. That's all they needed. And then let them figure out who they have portray a plumber or a pool boy to go get those boxes. And this hasn't been really overly reported either, Ben. 
the reporting that I've seen, and I'm going to talk about it more on Wednesday with Karen, is that part of what was in the boxes is what the um, the spook community, the CIA, the spy community calls signal information. Ben, you know what signal information is? I didn't. Tell me what signal information is, Michael Popa. Think about this. They were used the words, the, the intelligence community uses signal information to mean information that they've obtained from wiretapping, eavesdropping on foreign leaders. Yes, our government eavesdrops, wiretaps, foreign leaders, including allies. And that is called signal information. And there is a belief that there's signal information sitting within the boxes of material that Trump took with him. So for any Republican that's a patriot that is defending the president before even knowing what the charges were against them, because a lot of them defended him before the search warrant was unsealed and the statutes were even listed and they all jumped up and down about he declassified everything. He can't. It doesn't stop him from being prosecuted for the statutes that they artfully chose to investigate him under. So Let's talk about those statutes, yeah. Popak. They go. are 18 USC 2071 concealment, removal, mutilation. That's 18 USC 793, the Espionage Act, gathering, transmitting, or losing the information, defense information. And then 18 USC 1519, destruction, alteration and falsification of records. And just going back to that Espionage Act, 18 U.S.C. 793, that's actually what Snowden um, was charged with as well. A very serious charge. And each of these charges carry with it significant jail time. The 2071 crime, three years max per document. The 793 Espionage Act, 10 years max per document, and then the USC 1519 destruction alteration. Um, that's a 20 years max charge, but serious criminal penalties right well, there. Let me let me. Uh, that was a perfect layout and layup for me. Here we go. You ready? Ready. None of these three statutes that you just identified, none of them require that the documents that were deposited in the office of the president be considered classified, secret or top secret. None of them. It's enough that the documents were what they call, it's an art term of art, deposited or given to or seen by the president or his staff during his time in office. That is enough. They did not charge him with the one they charged Petraeus with and Berger with, which is 19 USC 1924, which is the removal willfully of classified information. That's what that's what nailed Petraeus. He took eight binders of classified material and he gave it to his mistress who used it to write a book. That's a bad thing. But they had to prove that he knew it was classified. That Sandy Berger, pardon me, knew when he obtained the material that it was classified. They don't have to prove that. So the Republicans can turn blue in the face and go on their head and spit wooden nickels. It doesn't matter whether it's classified. You're, you're arguing, you're barking up the wrong tree. And the thing that's the biggest penalty among these three, as we kind of dovetail with uh, the 14th Amendment Article 3 disqualification clause, and whether it's applicable here, is that you're going to love the irony of this one, Ben. Uh, 18 U.S.C. 2071, which is really the big bad charge here. They're all bad. Espionage Act for a president is terrible. But 18 U.S.C. 2071 
not only did Trump himself increase the penalty from one year to five years in jail, the irony, oh, the irony, but it has a specific provision that's never been tested in the courts, particularly the Supreme Court, as a particular provision that says you will be barred from office if you are convicted of violating this statute. If So it has a built-in Article 14 disqualification right into the statute. Now, the open question is, if it's in conflict with Article 14 for what disqualifies a president, is this statute going to survive our supermajority right wing of the Supreme Court? I don't know, but it's built into this statute right here. The other ones, like the Espionage Act, you can back your way into Article 14 and Section 3 of the Disqualification Clause because if you're giving aid and comfort to the enemy, which uh, which which if you're violating the Espionage Act, okay, uh, which uh, we'll put up on the screen what the elements of that are, then the argument the next argument would be if you violated the Espionage Act, you've also by extension now uh, are barred under the 14th Amendment. So for people to think, oh, who cares? This isn't the one that I thought he was going to be charged with. Who cares? You know, just as you said at the top of this segment, at the top of the show tonight, Ben, that this was a president that knew new boundaries, that tested and every every limit every standard every checks and balance he saw as a challenge to see what he could get away with like a petulant child five years ago you and i were talking about the academic issue of i wonder if he violated the emoluments clause when he signed the uh, hotel deal to make everybody that visits him stay at yeah. the hotel wasn't that like an interesting right academic debate about whether he violated and, and, and he did popak right. but the difference was at the time he was the president and what was unprecedented was presidents engaged in those type of flagrant crimes in clear right. and present view right. with right. a political party supporting it that marriage yeah. together makes it unprecedented but my point is isn't that adorable that we were talking just about but even then Days into office, we were talking about the first time a president has ever mixed mixed business with politics and leadership and and had that happen in such a blatant, transparent way, as you said, supported by a party. Now what we're looking at, yes, everything he's ever done is flouting and in violation of a criminal statute, which one finally trips him up since he knows no boundaries. He thinks he'll never be caught. Somebody who thinks they'll never be caught keeps going and robbing banks. Until one day he walks out and he's surrounded by the marshals and he, on video evidence and holding the bag of, uh, of money. And that's what's happening here. It's not just as we like to joke and Midas like to joke, a terrible, terrible, shitty day and week in Trump world to have your appraiser turn over 35,000 pages of documents about whether there's been loan inflation and appraisal fraud committed the same week that your, you know, the, the Fawny Willis is going forward with your former lawyer and forcing him to testify in front of the grand jury the same week that your home, your home is raided. I don't care about the words. A search warrant is executed and top and super top secret material is found. And, and you you would learn that you were the target of a criminal investigation. You you hire your first criminal defense lawyer in the same week in Georgia because, you know, you're up. You know what's creek. This is, as you said, the chickens coming home to roost and hard against this president. And he's still hiring crappy lawyers. Pardon me. He's still hiring lawyers that don't have the pedigree that would get him out of this mess that he's created for himself. That's a better way to put it. And talk about that briefly, Popak, because the two lawyers I've seen 
who have been on TV, who have just done the worst possible job, thankfully for the worst possible person. There's always that expression, you get the lawyer you deserve. And boy, does Trump get the lawyer he deserves. And for all the legal AF viewers out there, we've even told you that the these lawyers who are representing Trump, uh, Alina Haba and Christina Bob is her name. They uh, they're asked, I don't know, maybe there's nuclear. Uh, I'm not really sure if there's nuclear information <laughs> or not. Just my understanding that no search warrant was given to us, just like lying in the worst way. You had uh, recently Alina Hoppe said, well, the advice that I gave to Donald Trump is I told him that as long as you don't run for president, all of these charges would go away. Well, not I mean, only she is she was that waving stupid, the, attor- waving waving attorney the- client privilege. <laughs> Let me tell you how I waive the attorney client privilege. You're not allowed to say what the advice you gave to the, you know, know to your client it's a it's the number one ethical violation that there is but they really he really has the worst legal team but no one wants to represent this this horrible criminal you know person he 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 pulled he pulled i don't know where he got him from maybe from his kanye kim yay connections but he pulled you probably know him you know in the general world a guy in in atlanta who's a well-known criminal defense lawyer mainly representing rap stars who run afoul of the law. That's basically his claim to fame, besides the fact that he goes by the handle hashtag billion dollar lawyer. Um, that's his new, but at least it shows a certain modicum of acceptance that Trump, it may be prosecuted in a criminal setting in Georgia. So it's going to be this guy versus Fonnie Willis. I think it's the wrong guy because he's a trial lawyer, unless they're planning to go to trial on this, not somebody that's going to get the respect, I think, of Fonny Willis and some sort of negotiated plea. But we'll leave that for another day. This other band of lawyers that he's chosen for the subpoena. Let, let's just stop for a minute. We've spent the last 20 minutes talking about something remarkable that even our minds can't get around, the, the enormity of it. First time in the history of this republic, a president is the subject of a criminal prosecution. I mean, I can't. It, it's breathless to say these things. And um, Popak, we're still not even there. This isn't even arising out of the January sixth no, grand jury. This is, the, this those is charges the are still likely to come too. This is just separate other conduct. So, which the, which he 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 effed around and found out, as everybody as everybody likes to say, the 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 National Archive had identified months ago the existence of the 15 boxes they knew were missing. You and I speculated at one time, how come the National Archive doesn't know what's out the door? Shouldn't they know? I mean, that's even worse. They knew. They knew from we talking to discussing. We did highlight this issue on Illegal AF, and yes. we did the whole episode on this. At 1,000%. I will have to find the number of that episode, but it's 1,000%. We talked about this months ago. And they tried to negotiate for the return of the of the boxes. Everyone says, oh, it's unpre- I love the Republicans. It's unprecedented. For, for a, a raid to be conducted on a president's former house. That's not the focus. The focus is not on that. The focus is on your president, the guy that you support. You're not troubled by 15 boxes of you don't know what going out the door and staying in, an, in a wooden door with a flimsy lock in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. That doesn't trouble you as a patriot of this country. Yeah, because no. they're not patriots, Popak. No. It goes back to what Donald Trump said when he was first running. He, and he said, I could shoot somebody on Fifth, on Fifth Avenue. A- on Fifth Avenue. And I right. and I would get away with it. And frankly, it's worse than that. He could likely give our nuclear secrets to foreign adversaries and keep that in his home in Mar-a-Lago. And the right-wing radical extremists will support that because 
we need to realize everything with the right wing is projection. So when he refers to his enemies as enemies of the people, that is who the radical right wing extremists are. I'm glad it's being exposed. But Popak, one of the ways you expose it, though, is that you just keep on pushing. You do not give up. And that's what really got me super upset. And we'll talk about Alvin Bragg is still doing some good work. I mean, they are prosecuting the Trump organization. They are prosecuting Weisselberg. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And they did win their motion to dismiss there. But look at what happened with Tish James constantly fighting. Trump's not turning over records. Judge, I want you to hold him in contempt. Um, judge, he's not showing up for his deposition. OK, he'll appeal. We'll fight this. I'm not giving up because his arguments are bad faith and he's going to lose if you just keep on fighting. And then she finally got to the point where after all of his excuses, including him using the death of his first wife, who he buried in the back lot of his golf course in a mound of dirt. In the, one of the Which most you thought I was kidding about when I told you one episode. You thought I was the Popak made that up. I did. I thought it was a fake photo. I was like, how could this possibly be? Uh, this is the most disgusting thing I've, I've ever possibly have seen. But Tish James kept on pushing. Trump used that as an excuse to delay his deposition. Then he uses that. Then he goes to Arizona and holds these absurd fascist circus rallies that he holds there. But she said, Show up, show up, show up. Well, Don Jr. and Ivanka had their depositions taken. They didn't plead the fifth. Remember, Eric pled the fifth um, when he had his deposition. Well, let's give the context before you move on. Weisselberg and Eric Trump were the first to go in. They went in months ago. They did the same thing Trump did. They both invoked. It's interesting. Eric Trump and Weisselberg, who's now we'll talk about it next, the subject of a criminal prosecution that will go to trial for tax evasion and conspiracy of tax evasion and his own personal tax evasion. 500 times he put up the Fifth Amendment, as did Eric Trump. Of course, we're going to talk about the context of what it all means in a civil investigation. One, I'll remind everybody, Tish James has not yet filed her investigative document. People think, oh, she's already like charged him. First of all, it's a civil investigation. It would be a lawsuit, a complaint, a civil complaint that would be filed. She's not yet filed it. Talk about keeping your powder dry and the patience of the professionalism of the lawyers that you and I are going to talk about today and in other days, contrasted with the, the nuttiness and the, the unmoored professional behavior of Trump world. You're watching, you know, this is like a locomotive that can't be stopped in the form, in this case, Tish James, Fawny Willis, Merrick Garland. You're watching professionalism at its greatest. She could have brought this complaint and filed this complaint months ago, months ago, and not waited for this. She's doing it exactly on time and exactly right. But I want to remind people, she hasn't filed that suit yet. That's what I want, Popak, and my leaders. Yeah. I want professionals. I want competence. I don't want this want airtight. I don't want this clown show weirdness when it comes to this is life, people. This is life. This isn't, you know, you know, the, the radical right to me, why we call them a death cult is because I don't think they truly appreciate the value of 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 life. I mean, 
they will they will give their their life in the hands of people who are literally killing them each and every day. But I digress. So fifth, 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 <laughs> Donald Trump takes the Fifth Amendment for well, let's talk about what it means. And let's talk about what it times. means. Tish James yeah. is actually in the room in New York in the deposition that she finally secured to take place. And in a civil investigation and in a civil case, unlike a criminal case by someone pleading the fifth, it creates what's called an adverse inference against the party that's pleading the fifth. And an adverse inference is what it sounds. It is an inference that the jury can make that the information that the person is refusing to answer is adverse, that it would be bad if they answered the question. So you can go in front of a jury in a civil case, not a criminal case, in a civil case only when someone pleads the fifth and say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. That individual took the fifth when I asked them, did you do this? And by not responding, you should infer that they did, in fact, do that. You absolutely can do that under your Fifth Amendment rights well, that, in a criminal case, but in a civil, you can. Michael Pope. That, that's how O.J. got convicted of uh, for the killing and the murder of his ex-wife, because they said to him, O.J., did you kill her? And he said, Fifth Amendment. In the so civil used, case, that's how and, he was found and, liable. And, and you're right. And in the civil case, they said, you know, that's basically the equivalent of he did it. Now, so now let me unpack what you just said for and catch up everybody in legal AF law school. Why did Tish James ask 440 questions or so, knowing that in response to each, or desiring that in response to each, there'd be an answer of Fifth Amendment? That's on purpose. And you load up, I've had this happen, where I knew the other person was going to have to take the Fifth Amendment. So I loaded up all of my questions with things that I knew they were going to have to, they were going to take the Fifth, and it was going to be to my advantage and disadvantage them in the civil case. So she very methodically worked out 400 questions, knowing that he was never going to answer one, or at least knowing that if he went that route, because she didn't know exactly what he was going to do on the way in, although I'm sure her office had discussions with with Robert Costello, the lawyer for Trump, about these issues. But so, so she's like, all right, you're going to go that way? All right, fine. I'm going to go plan B, which is I'm now going to ask you, you committed tax fraud, didn't you? Uh, Fifth Amendment. You you loan inflated all of your properties. You raised the value in order to get higher loans and then deflated them for tax purposes, didn't you, sir? Fifth Amendment. Now what happens? And And, and 398 more questions like that. Now she takes that with a with a ribbon around it and she gets what's called a jury instruction at the appropriate time, not grand jury. She's not. She's civil when she's sitting in front of her jury and doing her closing argument. They will have already worked out with the judge the instructions to the jury to apply to the case to find if he's violated whatever civil statutes that she's going to bring her case under or file her case under. And so they will be told now let's talk about adverse inference and there is a new york state model jury instruction that they may modify it a little bit that the judge is going to give to the jury when when the the defendant in the case or a party in the case takes the fifth amendment that you are to give that an adverse inference meaning 
and you and the judge actually instructs the jury of how much weight and how they're supposed to give weight to that particular event in the case in evaluating their evidence as the trier of fact. And so that's why that answers the question. Why did she ask so many questions? Not just say, OK, well, he's not going to answer. It. No, you load up. It's the opposite. It's counterintuitive. You load up on the questions knowing you're going to get the Fifth Amendment. And then you work to get the right instruction at the time of trial. So the jury, of course, knows that the Fifth Amendment is really, really, really important in the civil context in a way that in the criminal it never is. Yeah. You know, and strategically, there are sometimes as just kind of a practice, practical tip. When the case is a little bit more simple, like, you know, I'll do some catastrophic car accident cases where, you know, and I have a case right now, for example, where uh, an individual who was driving a truck um, was drinking and driving for a large corporation. They were drinking and driving and they're going to plead the fifth when when they're deposed. I'll speak with the lawyer um, mm -hmm. in that case. And because it involves one discrete event, were they drunk while they were driving and was there an accident? I could just get a written stipulation to say, I'm going to plead the fifth on any question that you ask me because it's a discrete issue. But certainly in a case like this with Trump, where there's multiple properties, multiple issues, multiple sub issues that form oh, yeah. the elements of the civil claim, you absolutely want to hit each element because what you set yourself up to do very quickly is when you file the lawsuit, which let me be clear, Tish James is going to file yeah. the lawsuit. Yeah, it's I wasn't suggesting she's not going to. I just said she hadn't yet. <laughs> um, she will file very quickly a motion for summary judgment uh, mm -hmm. to the judge and say, judge, this case doesn't even have to go further. It doesn't even need to go in front of a jury because there is no disputed fact that Trump engaged in this conduct. How do I know he didn't dispute it? Here are all of the questions I ask. We right. could draw the adverse inference, find against him right there. And I've had cases very recently, two police shooting cases where the police officers pled the fifth and then they tried to file summary judgments against my client when they shot and killed a decedent. And then they plead the fifth. And I said, judge, it's an adverse inference. I don't even <laughs> they they took the fifth there. And so that just shows you how it plays out at a practical level. And Popak, in connection with the same Tish James investigation, tell me a little bit about what's going on with Cushman and Wakefield turning yeah. over 35,000 plus uh, records here, 35,867 yeah. documents to be specific. And to tie, we always like to tie it to the real world. You know, I was the global head of litigation for a competitor of Cushman Wakefield. So I kind of know it, know what their world is on the appraisal side. And to remind everybody about Tish James's investigation, what it is and what it isn't. We've seen the reports and she's filed her own report to the judge about what she's found so far. And she's focused primarily on and, and, and has been quite candid that that investigation started because of our fellow podcaster and Midas Touch uh, brother, uh, Michael Cohen and his testimony before he served his time that Donald Trump would regularly inflate the value of his businesses above their true value in conjunction with appraisers in order to secure the highest loans possible and then deflate those same assets when he was kind of when it was time to pay the taxes. So Michael Cohen is is there's no there's no secret. It's not like, oh, I wonder why Tish James went after that. She's public. It's because of the testimony that Michael Cohen had originally given. So the the appraisers 
who serve an important role in the lending process related to any property, including commercial or residential here, um, is very important. What's in their files? So apparently, Cush it's a little odd because Cushman & Wakefield apparently was the go-to um, appraisal firm because these big global real estate firms, real estate uh, firms have different branches. They have brokerages handling sales. They have capital markets handling investments and putting together money, uh, capital stacks in order to buy property. And then they have, a, they usually have an appraisal department or appraisal uh, company that's also part of the umbrella of services that they provide. And apparently this was his go-to appraisal company for years. So like every loan he ever took, and normally the banks require their own their own appraiser to do the work. But Cushman and Wakefield is one of the top five in the world. So they probably would have been, the banks probably would have been like, well, that's who we use. Oh, we're okay with Cushman and Wakefield. They're an accredited, credible, um, professional appraisal company. So it looks like he was able to get to use his own appraiser for this. And the question is whether the 35,000 pages of documents, which they have not produced timely, this was all due, Ben, to remind everybody, in March. This is now August. The judge has had it. For those that are listening and not watching, my hand is under my chin. The judge has had it with waiting on Cushman and Wakefield, who first said, well, it's a lot of documents. We can't get them all together. The judge is like, yeah, no, that's not going to do it. Turn them they over. were found in contempt. And not only contempt, you're right. $10,000 a day in contempt. And I did the math. They're out about $200,000 by delivering them this past week. Um, now they've moved to have the contempt extinguished because now, Judge, we got it. We got the, we got the, we got it. Ten thousand a day, and I love the I love the um, press release that Cushman and Wakefield put out. They said we have gone through strenuous lengths to not to avoid the fine. They said to comply with the judge's order. No, you you know what you you had a you had a ten thousand dollar a day you know gun to your head, and that's why you did it. So now we, I, we don't know what's in the 35,000 pages, but we know it's everything that combined with March's earlier production that they did for the Trump organization, which we'll talk about next, which is a criminal defendant. People forget about that um, for in the appraisal world, which is the entire crux of Tish James's civil investigation. Can't besides the Mazers, which you and I have talked about at length in prior podcasts, which was the law the who ran parallel to the appraisal company, but as the uh, financial accounting firm for Trump, who they're the ones that walked away after ten, you know, and said, "Oh, those ten years of financial statements that we did, they're not reliable. Nothing in there is reliable. You can't rely on them." Extraordinary. Now, the interesting thing, Ben, is Cushman and Wakefield didn't do the same thing. Cushman and Wakefield, which is a big traditional well-funded, uh, old-moneyed-lined company did not walk away from its appraisals. It said, no, our appraisals are fine. We just didn't want to turn the documents all over at one time for some reason. But they didn't do what Mazers did, which said, you got us, you got us. We can't rely on anything the Trump executives say. We can't rely on the documents they provided to us. We didn't do our audit protocols properly. Sorry, my bad, oops. Wait, Cushman Wakefield, which has a lot of malpractice insurance, just putting it out there a lot and could be the next target if they're not already of the investigation by the a byproduct investigation by the same office of Tish James as attorney general. They're, they may be in trouble if they find that they that there's a manipulation of those numbers that Trump Trump people got on the phone with the appraiser, which, by the way, often happens. Borrower doesn't like the appraisal number. 
because it's too low because they're borrowing more than that because they need it to be a certain number. So the appraiser does his independent work, which he's supposed to do or she's supposed to do, but then takes in, oh, you didn't see this comparable from this building down the street. You didn't see this comparable. And they go, all right, well, let me see your comparables. Oh, all right. And they change the number. And if they find a number of places where Trump has influenced the outcome and change that number to a higher number, Cushman and Wakefield's in big trouble. Popak, one of the things we've seen with the January 6th committee, though, is we've always known Trump's M.O., but through recordings and through the firsthand depositions and accounts, we really see how his criminal manipulations work, how he threatens people, the 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 way he talks to people like a mobster. Um, and you could almost imagine what those phone calls were like when he picked up the phone and called the CEO of Cushman and Wakefield or whoever he talked to and said, this is what you're going to do for me. You're just going to do it. You're going to shut the F up and you're going to do it. And one of the things that has been revealed, which has just come as you know, a surprise to me, and, and, and I'm just a little naive, is that when someone talks to me like that, I just usually tell them to go F themselves, you know, and and perhaps maybe that's why, you know, I don't know. That's I, why I'm, you have a podcast. I guess so. But I, I, when, when someone curses and yells at me and tells me to do something criminal, I, I don't do it. Yeah. And I curse back can at I, him. I don't go, oh, OK, sir. I'll can I give sir. you a, a per, can I give you an example of that? That, that, <laughs> that of what you No, no, not example from you, because I agree with what you said. No, an example within our even our followers and listeners or Democrats talk about it's time to get. A, a steel rod up your backside and and don't run away because somebody calls you names. I saw a whole bunch of people in Twitterverse a few days ago uh, debate the splitting hairs of whether what happened at Mar-a-Lago was a properly executed search warrant or it was a raid. Who gives a rat's ass? Call it a raid. It was a raid. It doesn't matter. The fact that it played into some narrative of the Republicans, some of the Democrats thought better. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't a raid. It was a it was a raid. And it's OK that it was a raid. It's OK that we think that a confidential informant uh, tipped off the FBI as to the days that Trump was not going to be there, was going to be up in Bedminster playing golf or in New York and went particularly that day and knew which doors to go to to pick up the boxes. It's OK. Yeah, and you Democrats got are allowed to raid. You got a proper search warrant from right. the judge. It's the way the process happens all the time. And Be here's proud. breaking. And this is breaking <laughs> news to that effect. Popak um, coming on the wire right now, according to Maggie Haberman and Glenn Thrush in The New York Times, at least one lawyer for former President Donald Trump signed a written statement in June asserting under penalty of perjury that all material marked as classified and held in boxes in a storage area at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and club had been returned to the government or people <laughs> with knowledge of the government are telling Maggie Haberman and Glenn Thrush. So there was actually a, a another apparent under penalty of perjury obstruction by one of Trump's lawyers breaking on the wire so right now. So on that, that's great. I saw that literally we have a Midas touch wire between Ben and me. And I just saw that come across like a ticker tape. The the other, you know, the other aspect of that is all these other 
I, I coined a new word. It's mine. I'm sure it's been out there before, but I came up with it for the Trump followers who are flipping around like a like a fish on a boat, uh, flip flopping, depending upon the new facts that are coming out. Because this is a fast developing story. Almost hourly. We're getting new information yeah, about they the lie Department 60 of times in one hour, one every minute. They have to because they don't wait for the full development of the information. So they're so they're always out in front and then the facts change and they got to go back and like, oh, well, then come up with a new excuse. So the one where they came up with the I love this one. The president has a magic wand. I'm paraphrasing that he can just wave over documents, doesn't have to tell anybody, and he can just magically make all the top secret markings disappear. And even if they're the highest level of nuclear codes, he can take it with him as a memento and keep them in an unlocked you know, broom closet at Mar-a-Lago. Wrong. There is a process and it generally involves the White House counsel who would have been our pod favorite, Pat Cipollone. So Pat Cipollone would have been involved with the declassification. It may be part of Maggie Haberman's reporting. We'll see what's next um, or if he was the one that signed it. But but that's a process because you don't let people just you're not moving out of a hotel and grabbing the towels and the uh, and the bath mat. This is the president of the United States. And, and it's the storage of those items because he's not supposed to take mementos from what he left because we're worried about espionage by people that want to hurt America. Uh, well said, Popak. Popak, have you seen the new Midas Touch merch by any chance? Have you seen it? I haven't, Person, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Person, woman, man, camera, prison. That is the new Midas Touch shirt. Person, woman, man, camera, prison. Go get it at store.midastouch.com. Store.midastouch.com. Popak, these were flying off the shelves yesterday. In addition to the person, woman, man, camera, prison, Midas Touch gear that was flying off the shelves, our Convict 45, which also is a noun, if you know this, Convict 45. You could you could read it both ways. <laughs> Convict or Look. Convict 45 alternate meetings. That's available at store.midastouch.com. We're actually running out of supplies, Popak. We literally sold like hundreds of these yesterday. People. I have another one. I have another one for you and Jordy to consider that I laughed at. If I laugh, then I then I think it's pretty good because I'm I'm a little bit cynical. I saw one, you know what? All the all the Trumpers that run around with, yeah. and I've seen it here in my own neighborhood. Trump 2024. Uh-huh. Have you seen the one that says Trump? 20 dash 24 like years in prison i like that the one 20 to 24 (laughs) the one thing though popak and i'll give a little insight to our legal af viewers when i craft this merch lots of people don't like to wear things that have trump's name on them so just even the name on them with anything is a little bit disgusting it's like having a piece of shit on your shirt and so the way i try to avoid that is convict or convict 45 it doesn't say his name in person yeah. woman man camera prison it's the implication without it. saying his name but i i do like the idea pop back and i want to tell all of our youtube listeners as well we got a lot more to discuss today so don't you worry we're going to talk about the criminal F-time. case we're going to talk about the criminal case against the Trump organization taking place right now in Allen Weisselberg. We're going to talk about the Pennsylvania fake electors and this guy, Scott Perry, an insurrectionist, radical right extremist uh, Congress member. It's disgusting to even say that. But if you're watching this on YouTube, will you do me a quick favor? Will you subscribe to the Legal AF podcast on audio? And when this comes up on audio, just press play for a little bit. That helps us in the algorithms there. And if you 
you get this on audio, subscribe on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe right now to the YouTube channel. Just hit the subscribe button. How do you do that, Ben? It's, it's super, you just hit subscribe. It's right there. A right. little thing comes on. It says subscribe. Right. You hit subscribe. But the way you do it for audio is search whatever you, whether it's Spotify, whether it's the Apple podcast, whether it's Google podcast, whatever you get your podcast, search it, search Legal AF hit subscribe, hit the check button, make yeah. sure you subscribe. It's and free. By the way, you. it is free. When we say subscribe, people think, yeah, I think people free. think it's like a magazine subscription. It's free. It's and free. I think on, hit subscribe. On, on, on Apple pod, it's a plus sign. You just, you just hit check it. the plus sign. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Store.midastouch.com and make sure you subscribe. Popak, what's going on? The Manhattan DA's office, Alvin Bragg. People were pissed at Alvin Bragg. People are saying, I'm a little pissed at Alvin Bragg. You know, that Alvin Bragg wouldn't prosecute Trump and just kind of dropped it. But he didn't drop his entire criminal prosecution right. of the Trump entities. There's a criminal case against the Trump organization set for trial October 24th, a criminal trial against Alan Weisselberg, the Trump organization CFO for tax manipulation set for October 24th. Uh, Weisselberg and the Oregon Trump organization filed a motion to dismiss and it was denied by the New York Supreme Court, which is their lower court. New York's trial courts called the Supreme Court. Their Supreme Court's called the Court of Appeals. It's a really weird nomenclature, but just take my word for it. Um, but the New York trial court denied the motion to dismiss, which basically means we are going to trial. Of course, other motions and pretrial motions can be heard. Um, but this case is going to trial. Popak, what else do we know what, about? I have so many favorite things that came out of this reporting that I'm where you and I are going to talk about. So again, reminder episode. We're on episode 85 plus of you and me doing this. If you add in, if by the way, if you add in Karen Freeman Ignifolo on our Wednesday show, we're up over 100 episodes of this. Sometimes the, you know, leave it to us to remind everybody the continuity of each show. <clears throat> but remember, Cy Vance, <clears throat> KFA's old boss, before Alvin Bragg was elected and took office, started a prosecution against the Trump organization and actually got an indictment against the Trump organization, which is effectively the business vehicle through which Donald Trump and his children have operated and obtained their riches for the last 20 plus years. They are a criminal defendant in a state prosecution led by the Manhattan DA's office, which was started by Alvin Bragg's predecessor. But Alvin Bragg could have dismissed the charges and decided, Who, by the way, Popak, your co-host, your midweek co-host, Karen Friedman Agnifilo was the number two. She was the second oh, highest said, ranking person yeah. in that office. I just said that I said it was her boss, but but the exactly. But it, number two, exactly. Couldn't couldn't number ask two. Hard. So Cy Vance starts it. And and really, the, the, the speculation on the street, and I've been with enough people in the business that deal with that office that can sit around and speculate about what's on the street. And they early on said that that was an effort, which we all observe, to try to get the highest levels of people with financial information, Weisselberg, who had his own tax evasion problem, to flip on Trump. And they also thought Matt uh, Calamari, we love that name, who was the COO would flip on Trump. The problem is both those guys are holding strong and they're willing to go to trial for Trump. You know, uh, I mean, listen, Michael Cohen went to trial for Trump and went to jail for Trump. Ultimately, he's repentant and he's and he's seen the light and he's an amazing podcaster now and a special voice out there. That's important. But, you know, th this 
I call them uh, not the followers of Trump, the followers of Trump. They're fools. And they're going to go down and get pro and, and become felons because of their association with Trump. So Weisselberg indicted. <clears throat> um, Trump organization indicted. Alvin Bragg continues the prosecution of both. Why haven't we heard about this in a long time? Those indictments came down a long, long time ago. And it's not just one count. Weisselberg is charged with 15 felony counts, one five felony counts of related to conspiracy to commit tax evasion on behalf of the Trump organization and one personal count of tax evasion related to him not properly disclosing where he lived. He said he lived in New Jersey when he didn't and certain other deductions that he took. And the Trump organization, this all has to do with executive pay and how Trump hid the fact that these people were being paid things like their home, they were being paid in the form of homes, apartments, tuition, car services that were no, but they weren't declared as income and nobody paid taxes on. And that's a problem because that violates criminal tax law. So he's look, he was looking, he's looking down a large barrel of a big gun related to accounts uh, uh, that are against him. And this is interesting. I don't know if you caught this, Ben, he moved to dismiss. This is the first hearing in almost a year in the case because that motion has been sitting for almost a year. March, February, March, April, May, June, July, eight months that motion has been sitting. It's the first time they've been in court on the case at all. And after the judge denied the motion to dismiss on behalf of both entities, the next thing or next order up or order of the day for this judge was what else we got? And so the Manhattan DA's office, you know, uh, dismissed one of the counts they thought was a little bit weak or was time barred. And then Weisselberg and the Trump organization made a motion to suppress certain statements that were made by Weisselberg. Get this, Ben. He was interrogated for eight hours straight and apparently said some things while being interrogated, I presume without counsel, that he now sort of regrets having said. I assume it's not good for Trump. And he's moved to suppress it, arguing that his civil rights were violated and his rights, his Miranda rights maybe were violated. And he was, you know, not given a Snickers bar or water for eight hours or whatever it was. And he and he said these statements, they should be suppressed. My gut is most of those statements are not going to be suppressed and whatever they are, they are. And then he'll have to decide whether he's going to take the Fifth Amendment and not testify at trial. But th this is a very good reminder because some people kind of lost this thread I could see in, in following Twitter while I was on vacation a little bit. Some people said, well, how does he get to take the Fifth Amendment if Alvin Bragg isn't bringing his case against them? You've forgotten. They're at Phony Willis prosecution. Now Department of Justice, Espionage Act and other things. Prosecution. Alvin Bragg's office. Prosecution of his organization. Those are areas where you generally would take the Fifth Amendment because you're staring down the criminal, the barrel of a criminal gun. Um, so I, I, I had never heard that Weisselberg had been um, locked in a room for eight hours and, and gave some statements that he now thinks better of. And Popak, uh, Donald Trump could be called and likely would be called as a witness in the Trump organization criminal case. And he will take the fifth in connection with the criminal right. case when, when that occurs in October. One thousand percent. That no trial doubt. is October uh, 24th is when it's set for. It does seem like that trial is going to take place unless, yeah. of course, Weisselberg and the Trump organization take a guilty plea. But that doesn't look like that's happening. We will keep you updated with more there. And let's turn to Pennsylvania, where I was last week. I was out in Pittsburgh for Midas co-founder Jordy's uh, wedding. I really love Pittsburgh. What a beautiful city. Uh, Pennsylvania is a beautiful state, but a little tucked in 
in this underbelly, we got a little bit of some fascism going on on there. And by and large, we have, oh, you know, Pennsylvania, the people there are incredible. You know, you got Fetterman who's running for Senate. You got Shapiro who's running for governor. You got just real family values, people who just love who are gritty, who are real. That's just one of the coolest yeah. things that I authentic. thought. Authentic yeah. people in Pennsylvania yeah. who don't want to be bullshit to, who don't like being lied to. You know, and frankly, you know, that's one of the reasons that Biden won Pennsylvania. And even the Fettermans and the Shapiros are pulling above Biden because oh, yeah. Pennsylvania knows a bullshitter when they see one. And, you know, they, they definitely see that in people like Dr. Oz. I, and you know, like thank God. Yeah, I was going to say, thank God for us that the Republicans have overplayed their who are who are very good at overplaying their hand. They win Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs case and get rid of the constitutional right of, of a woman to have an abortion. And they think, oh, that you know, what we're going to do now we're going to turn back the clock on all the state constitutions. And Kansas said not so fast. Um, and most most women in those states and others who believe, who support women's rights at not so fast. And so they're they're rethinking their strategy now of how far they really can go. And in and in Pennsylvania um, and in uh, with with Oz versus Fetterman and in Georgia with Herschel Walker, it's another case of the the Trumpers thinking they can just put up a ham sandwich and they'll they'll beat an unpopular Biden administration and no coattails. And so we'll run Dr. Oz, who's a terrible candidate with clay feet and Herschel Walker, who's worse. Um, and we'll and we'll win because they're going to run on the big lie and whatever else, like in Virginia with the guy that won there. No, that's not working. Fetterman, Fetterman, who had a unfortunately had a heart attack, stroke, one of them, sure. he, and, and hasn't been able to be on the campaign trail sure, much. Yeah. He's way ahead. He's way ahead. And uh, and Herschel Walker is plummeting in the polls as well, partly in touch, you know, partly because of Midas Touch and all their great work you and your brothers do. Well, and I would argue too, Popak, that it's not even that so much that they've overplayed their hand. This is their only hand. This is <laughs> who they are. They are disgusting, despicable, radical right extremists who the radical right echo chamber injects disinfo to trick people into believing that these people are fighting for them, which is total BS and who the mainstream media does a horrible, horrible job of both sidesing the issue. On the one hand, you have an apple. On the other hand, you have a rotten lava filled pit of disgusting venom. And somewhere in the line, the apple, it's, it's somewhere between those two. But the mainstream media, thankfully, is not the main source of news today anymore. People Thank know God. better. People know yeah. where to find it. You don't have to both sides. That's what we're doing right here uh, on the Midas Media Network, where we are giving the truth to the people. And let's talk about the truth in Pennsylvania is you have this radical right extremist, Scott Perry, talking about pleading the fifth. Uh, Jeff Clark, the low-level environmental lawyer at the DOJ, a total radical nutcase who was an individual who never even tried a case before, never led a criminal investigation, who Trump wanted to appoint to lead the entire Department of Justice so that a letter could go out 
to all of the states saying that they needed to overturn the results of their of the electors within their states. Well, Republican Scott Perry was one of the main people behind that plan. He introduced Jeff Clark to Trump. And recall from the January 6th hearings, Scott Perry was one of the Congress members who asked Trump for a pardon. Oh, and why would you ask for a pardon if you don't have a guilty just, mind? Scott Perry I'm just collecting pardons. If you if you <laughs> look at the way people refer to him, this is just the media doing a horrible job. They go, Republican Scott Perry runs the ultra conservative Freedom Caucus. Ultra conservative. Stop calling that shit conservative. There is nothing conservative uh, whatsoever about this despicable, disgusting, anti-American uh, conduct. Just because they call themselves conservative, you don't have to call them those things, Popak. So let, tell let me, us, let me let, I want to weigh in on that. But I was, Wait, I'll, I'll wrap weigh it in and then tell us what's going on. In yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do both because I like your both sideism. I've seen you. You guys refer to that in your literature before. It, it reminds me of the famous Dave Chappelle skit about 9-11 and Ja Rule, where, where, where he said um, it's like during 9-11 when MTV had Ja Rule on and said, let's go to Ja Rule for a, a reporting on 9-11. Who cares what Ja Rule has to say about 9-11? Who cares what Marjorie Taylor Greene has to say about impeaching Merrick Garland? I mean, and the fact that they put them on an equal playing field in the mainstream media and don't call them out and say, you know, um, radical, unhinged congressperson from rural northern Georgia makes a comment about our attorney general, puts her on the same playing field for that nightly news is is really uh, an abomination um, to to First Amendment journalism. So here we have Scott Perry, who I didn't realize until the Jan six committee reporting and things that you just ticked off is so involved with the attempt to stop the peaceful transfer of power. Not only did he introduce Jeff Clark, now the infamous Jeff Clark, who would have been one of the shortest tenured attorney generals ever in like 14 days worth of tenure, had Trump been able to pull this off. He also is super close to Mark Meadows. It's been reported and and by the Jan 6 committee also that he was he was talking to Mark Meadows regularly, including on the day of Jan 6 about whether Trump should or should not come to the Capitol. So all those messaging on his phone that has now been seized are really, really important. He was instrumental in the fake electors scheme, the Green Bay sweep, whatever we called about. Uh, we talked about in the past with Navarro and with Eastman. And he's also reported to have made numerous phone calls on behalf of Trump uh, as a sitting congressperson to places you know like Georgia and others. And this is the Cassidy Hutchinson tree still bearing fruit, continuing to bear tremendous fruit. Cassidy Hutchinson testified about the relationship between uh, uh, Scott Perry and um, Meadows. Scott Perry, a five term re uh, Republican congressperson from York County, Pennsylvania. Hard to believe that that's what York that's York County, Pennsylvania's finest that they could find to represent them. So um, now he, he, I love I love uh, uh, how they have to um, uh, figure out the best result even on a bad day, make lemons, lemonade out of lemons. His office, the best his office could come up with, Ben, in a press statement was, we've determined that even though they seized Representative Perry's phone, he is not at present a target of the criminal investigation. That's the best they got right now. Uh, and I'm not even sure that's true because usually 
the uh, you know investigating agencies like the Department of Justice and the FBI don't comment at, at this particular moment at whether somebody is or is not a target. And you certainly can't take that to the bank because that is this is a fast moving investigation. Even since the Gen 6 committee has started, they have said publicly that they've been flooded with new information, new witnesses that have come forward, that this is the reason why the Jan 6 committee uh, is being extended. They really thought it'd be over by now. I know the cynics and the Republicans are like, sure, they're going to run this right up until the election day. And they may, but not because of timing, but because they have so much new information to process. And so Scott Perry may not be a target today, although I'm not sure that's accurate. But but based on his involvement what and what's on that phone, he might have put himself into harm's way and it couldn't happen to a nicer rep representative. Also, not just Scott Perry, but we have other of uh, these fake electors in Pennsylvania, these uh, Republican electors. We've previously talked about Fawny Willis's investigation in Georgia, where the fake electors got letters in Georgia that they would be targets of a criminal investigation uh, in Georgia into election fraud here. Um, this is not from a state investigation. This is the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland again, uh, uh, this time subpoenaing, which is different than the search warrant on uh, Scott Perry's phone. The search warrant is we're, we're taking it. <laughs> we're taking it. A court's order that we get it. Right. This subpoena is for chance, can we have these? It's the first step. And if they go, no, you may then want to go get the warrant and say, well, give it to me. So this and the same thing with Trump, you know, at Mar-a-Lago, the National Archives first went through the proper means. For months. For months and months and months yeah. in subpoena. So here the Department of Justice is subpoenaing records from these fake electors. And everybody will recall that one of the pillars of Trump's plan to overthrow the election was to have Vice President Pence object to the valid democratically elected electors. And then when there was objections made to say, oh, look what we got here. Look what we got here. Another slate of electors have come in, the valid ones from the states. And then they would make those the valid electors and declare that the state legislatures appointed these electors and that yeah. based on the Electoral College vote with the state legislatures picking these electors, that Trump would win and he would overturn the results in all of the states that he had lost in, or at least those five or six states that would have changed the balance of, of, of the election when he got destroyed in the Electoral College and destroyed by seven, eight million votes in the in the popular vote. But I digress. So, Popak, these electors got subpoenaed. This just also shows that the DOJ is not messing around. The DOJ can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> and Anything multiple packs of gum. Exactly. Anything else you want to add here about the no, Pennsylvania I, I, fake electors? Look, and, th and this is where let's plug the show again. Plug this it. is where regularly watching this show is really important because it builds on itself. It really is a class. Um, you know, I think it's better than a TED talk. It's a Ben and Michael talk uh, and Karen on, on midweek and in other times that um, if you follow it, you're going to you know, we're very focused on continuity and continuity of stories. I think that's why people, one of the reasons they like us is that it's not like we're saying something today that we didn't say earlier, or we're, we're acting like we we uh, we said it wrong last time. We didn't acknowledge it. We acknowledge it. If we make a prediction that doesn't come true, we're the first ones to call ourselves out 
on the next on the next episode. We're giving you our best seasoned analysis and handicapping of events that that we observe based on our own life and professional experience. Here, for instance, we talked four or five months ago about the number two. You always like to talk about Karen as the number two lawyer beside Vance. The number two lawyer for Merrick Garland is Lisa Monaco. And Lisa Monaco, in one of her public statements five months ago, said that they were very troubled by the fake electors and that they may have. This is when we first got the inkling that the Department of Justice was looking at the criminal side of things as it relates to Donald Trump. That was the first time you and I talked about it. Lisa Monaco in a speech saying we're troubled by the we we know about the fake electors and suggesting that she had opened an investigation. And now you're seeing it come full circle again. Multiple grand juries we now know are going on simultaneously. The multiple packs of gum that are being chewed at the same time as the Department of Justice is walking is going on in, in Washington, D.C., looking at various things, including one that is deadly focused on the fake elector scheme. You know, Popak, I've read and reviewed our comments and reviews, and one commonality is the fans love it when you talk about how great our show is. Did you did you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the overall they go when Popak talks about how great legal AF is? Yeah. Boy, does that make me want to watch more and more legal AF. Yeah. But in all seriousness, Popak, I missed you. I'm glad that you're <laughs> back from vacation. You came back, it seems, at the right time. It's as if you it's as if you knew. <laughs> Are you the informant, Michael Popak? Did you know? And did you right. I'm just joking? But I'm grateful that you're back and that we could share Me these too. weekends going forward. We have a lot to discuss. This is, I, I say it, but it's true. My favorite part of the week <laughs> is when I get to, you know, spend time because if we weren't doing it here, Popak, and we, we didn't get to share this with all the great legal AFers out there, we would still be doing this anyway over right, the phone. Right. Just no one would be listening. Just be you and me FaceTiming over bagels. Ex right. Exactly. Right. Some bagels right. and locks at Legal AF. <laughs> but if you're not just bagels and locks, go to store.midastouch.com now. Store.midastouch.com now. Get all that great Midas Touch gear. The person, woman, man, camera, person, new shirt. Get it while it lasts. Those uh, those shirts are flying off the rack in the convict convict 45 however you want to read it make sure you get that store.midastouch.com make sure you subscribe right now on youtube on audio wherever you get your podcast make sure you subscribe another ventful week in legal news and based on what we're reporting today it's only going to get busier which is why make sure you refer this podcast to your friends to your family, to your colleagues at work. Send emails to everybody about this, text messages. People need to be educated on these issues because the fight for democracy is now and we have an opportunity, Popak, to truly save democracy together. Ben Micellis and Michael Popak signing off on this week's Legal AF. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Mighty.